right. What a great, great day it is in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And I am so blessed today. I have with us a local entrepreneur, Kevin Plumacher, and he owns LeBlanc Floors and Interiors. We're going to spend some time learning from Kevin about the company, about his passion, and about the path. So, so glad to have him with us today. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for the uh, the opportunity to have a conversation. My pleasure. Well, Kevin, tell us a little bit about what you do at LeBlanc Floors and Interiors. Sure. So we are a uh, full-service remodel support company. We specialize, obviously, in flooring. That's where kind of I got my start in this industry. And over the years, we've morphed uh, a few times. And currently, our offerings include all types of residential flooring, uh, hardwood refinishing. We do kitchen and bath design. Uh, we sell cabinetry and we do countertops as well. So sort of interior remodel and, and uh, remodel support. Well, that's exciting. I'm one of these individuals that love looking at architectural digest and taking a look at the pictures and, and the floors and, and all and how things are put together. I absolutely love that. Uh, what influenced you to get into this field, though? Not everyone decides to take this path or open these types of businesses. What what influenced you to get into this field? Uh, well, I, you know, from a a fairly young age, my my dad was a journeyman carpenter and uh, sort of a DIYer, you know. So growing up with him, I I learned to work with tools. I learned not to be afraid of tools, and I learned to just sort of fix things myself or at least attempt to, um, much to my wife's chagrin sometimes. It's something I truly enjoy. You know, the flooring industry specifically I was doing carpentry and construction and got into sales and then management and the company. Uh, I, I actually interviewed with a flooring company that was advertising for operations manager. And that was something that I had experience in. And so I, I answered the ad and got into the flooring uh, industry that way with no, really with no experience in flooring. Fast forward 24 years and here we are. So you started in by way of carpentry. Is that a, is that what I understand? Correct. Yeah, I started. Um, I started in carpentry and uh, commercial construction, so commercial framing and laboring. And you know, quickly realized after rather significant event on a job site, realized that construction was a dangerous uh, a dangerous path, and just decided that you know sales probably was a better move. You know, I didn't want to risk my body, and and thankfully, I learned that at a fairly young age. So, <laughs> you know, you know, what's interesting about carpentry is, growing up, we used to have woodworking or carpentry classes available to us, and I always found that to be extremely interesting. I I don't know if they still offer that today. I know that in my son's and and uh, high school and my daughter's high school. They don't offer it anymore, but I thought it was just a wonderful class, 
And it really exposed people to the opportunity to be able to work with wood and work with their hands and get into a field that they wouldn't otherwise be exposed to. I, I, I appreciate you touching on that. I, it's something that is, I went to a school that did have a wood shop. Uh, the shop teacher had all of his digits. So, you know, he was, uh, he was effective that way. When I look around now, there are a few schools, you know, middle and high schools that offer technical training like that, that offer kind of vocational technical training like that. What I am really excited about is Specifically here in Snohomish County, we have Snow Isle Skill Center, not necessarily focusing on woodworking, but they're focusing on vocation, uh, which I think is is really important for a lot of the kids in this area to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Specifically around woodworking, South Seattle Community College or, or South Seattle College has the Wood Technology Center. Mm. And... As recently as about six months ago, they were in danger of having to close that program due to a lack of funding. There was a local, not local, but a national uh, retailer stepped in and granted them $750,000 to keep that program open and keep that, keep that training going. So you, you know, anybody can sign up at the Wood Technology Center to learn how to build cabinets to learn how to build stairs, to learn how to build railings, to learn anything involving wood, including the science of it. How do trees grow? How do they, you know, how is milling done? How is drying, you know, kiln drying and things like that. So it's it's pretty exciting to me. Um, <laughs> me too. I, 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 I did not know it existed. It <laughs> but, you know, it's it's great. I mean, we live in a in a region where, Lumber is a, an integral part of our our building material. And, you know, lumber is the most sustainable and most eco-friendly way to construct buildings. All the metal and the steel and all of that, it lasts forever and that's great. But I'm not sure that's what we want. So I, that's a whole philosophical discussion maybe for another day. <laughs> well, in our region... It's what made Seattle and the Pacific Northwest a destination. Hundred percent. And, 100%. and yep. uh, Mr. Warehouser and and others took the opportunity to utilize the wonderful resources we have, trees, and really fuel an entire industry. I know that when I was in wood shop, I absolutely loved it. I loved it in in. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade—you know—all the way through high school—and learned how to make tables and and all kinds of things. And the the sense of pride was terrific. And then you fall in love with the different grains of wood, you know, as mm-hmm. as well. And then being able once again looking for a home in different areas, you see different types of craftsmanship in the flooring. So whether it is in the Beacon Hill area of Seattle, in the Leshy area, where you look in those older areas and the type of wood that was used, the way things were inlaid as far as designs in the flooring, all of that is absolutely amazing. And I've always found it fascinating. Today's wood that's being used 
well, I'm going to let you talk about that. <laughs> that's your that's your industry. But you you well, obviously have me, my friend. You obviously have me at 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 wood. So I mean, my my passion is absolutely in the flooring industry. I mean, my passion is absolutely wood. Um, I do some woodworking on the side. You know, I love working with reclaimed wood. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to the lumber yard and buying new, you know, new harvest oak or walnut or anything like that. I'm going to the salvage yards and looking for, you know, that deadfall tree that, uh, a company locally reclaimed and slabbed and dried and couldn't use it or didn't want to use it. So they donate it to a salvage yard. That's the stuff I go for. One of the most exciting things for me, you touched on it. Well, two things. So my folks uh, or my, my wife's parents live here in Muckleteo and they have a 1920s craftsman uh, on Go Trail. Okay. It's a beautiful house. They've been there 40 years. It's an absolute, you know, it's a, it's a testament to the integrity of building with wood. I was helping my father-in-law replace a floor in the laundry room. And as we peeled back the layers and we started discovering this old fur floor, this old Douglas fur floor, mm-hmm. we pulled it up because it wasn't salvageable, but we pulled it up and on the backside of one of the planks was stamped Muckleteo Lumber Company. Oh, wow. So that to me was, I mean, it, it, it's such a wonderful revelation to, to pull something like that up and see that that tree likely didn't go more than three or four miles from where it was harvested to where it was milled to where it was installed in this house. And I, I think we, you know, now we're in a, in an era where that's not possible, but we have, you know, we have goals and guidelines that dictate how far we should travel with materials. And I think that's really important to the industry as well. A similar thing happened in Maple Leaf. We pulled up an old fur floor and the stamp on the back was from Everett Lumber Company. So there's a piece that was harvested here probably in Everett or, you know, Mount Vernon or, or Marysville and milled and installed in a house in Seattle. You know, those are, those are the things that are really exciting and that old growth wood, it's exceptionally dense. It's a really beautiful material to work with. And you're right, we don't have that in the same way anymore. So that reclaimed part of it to me is really the exciting part. You know, we'll work obviously with any, with any type of wood as long as it's appropriate for the application. But yeah, it's, sorry, I'm no, <laughs> no. getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but you know, this is, this is our region. This is our area. And this is, uh, you know, I, I, feel like it's getting lost like that that craft is getting lost sometimes in this this era of you know more bigger better now and you know we see things like vinyl plank and laminate and tile that looks like wood it has its application and there definitely are uses for those materials it's just not what i'm you know what i'm passionate about so i understand well I grew up in central Seattle, and there were lots of -of turn-of-the-century homes there. And when you look at the craftsmanship, the 
the wood, the the design, the patina. It's its own art form. Absolutely. I, that's a great way to say it. It's that craftsmanship from, you know, 80, 90, 100, 150 years ago. I mean, we regularly touch floors, refinish floors in Seattle and surrounding areas that are over 100 years old regularly. I mean, it, it's amazing to me that they've lasted that long. And, you know, when we get into those homes with the, the built-in bookcases and the built-in, uh, you know, armoires and hutches and things like that, and you start really looking at the detail of the craftsmanship and the mm-hmm. wood that was selected for it, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the most exciting things, I, I think, in remodeling an older home is stripping off those layers, you know, five, six, seven layers of paint and finding, you know, beautiful dug fur underneath that, you know, just, just comes back to life. Oh, um, yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, it, that central area, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, Beacon Hills, uh, you know, central Seattle, Queen Anne, Capitol Hill, those, those things are all over the place. And I, I love it. And the, and the wood comes to life. It, it shines. It's just beautiful. But now you said something I don't want us to miss. The selection of the wood, the selection that those homes have, people today, while they may not have access to same hundred-year-old timber, if they're designing a home or they're remodeling, they have the opportunity today to select different types of woods or different types of flooring that can give them a similar feel without necessarily having to go on a hunt for a hundred year old timber and your Mm -hmm. company can assist them in selecting what's going to be best for their, their new home, their new project. But that selection process is really important. It's important to be able to speak with somebody who can listen to them and help design. Is, is that something that your company does? A hundred percent, hundred percent. We have a designer on staff. She's my showroom manager. Her education, her background, her degree is interior design, and she's approximately thirty years in the industry. So. You know, we have a, a wealth of experience here. You know, my area of expertise has always been flooring. And in the last 15 years or so, really got into wood flooring specifically. And then Jennifer, her passion and her expertise is in interior design and kitchen and bath design. When it comes to selecting material, the one thing that we always start the conversation with is tell us about your house. Tell us about your lifestyle. Tell us about your family, who lives in the house, how do you live in the house? Do you take your shoes off at the door and do you have no pets and do you Mm. have no children? And, Mm -hmm. you know, let's look at the risk factors and make sure that this is a floor that's going to work for you or this is a material that's going to work for you because our focus on sustainability, our focus on, uh, listen, my goal (laughs) is is to put materials in a home that are going to be there for the next 50, 60, 80 years, you know, unfortunately, you know, newer construction doesn't always lean in that direction, but it doesn't mean that we can't. 
Right. And so getting that proper selection is so important. And we kind of have to match it to the family. If you have four big dogs and three kids who all play football and golf and they don't take their shoes off at the door and <laughs> you know, you're in and out of the garden and dragging rocks in and out of the in and out of the garden, you know, on the bottom of your shoes and that kind of thing. Maybe concrete is a good idea for <laughs> you, you know. No, it's it, it really the selection part of it is is really critical and I think it's something that that homeowners don't necessarily know to look for or to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And a salesperson or a designer or a project manager who can guide them is, is invaluable. The, the worst thing in the world is to finish a project and look back and say, gosh, I really wish I would have and have regrets about the decisions that you made. And that's something that we try really hard to avoid. Well, otherwise, you could look back at a project and say it's terrific. It's just not for us, and now we have to move. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. In which case, we've got some friends that are great realtors, and we can recommend someone. So, you know. <laughs> but, but what you're sharing is the selection process is really important in the overall scope of living in your design. So, homeowners are designing their homes to live in, not just merely to look at. And the proper selection, the proper questions, the proper guidance allows them to live within the frame of the design that they're creating, mm -hmm. which in a very interesting way is like a painter living inside the frame of his artwork. Mm -hmm. It's really, you know, to me, designing the project is as much fun and as exciting as seeing the finished project. You know, typically yeah. the construction part of it is not fun for anyone except the person maybe doing the construction. But the design part of it is really, it's a lot of fun, you know, to, to see people get excited about, you know, a color or a texture or a pattern that they've seen in magazines or they've seen on TV and they, you know, wow, I wish I could have that in my house. Well, Now's your opportunity. So when we have a new client who's looking for a design, you know, we ask them, bring us your inspiration. Bring us your, your wish list for things that you've, because we know they've gathered it over the years. This may be something they do once or twice in their lifetime. So let's take advantage of that and marry what you want with your budget with your timeline and with within the skill set of the contractor that you're working with, we don't contract remodels, but we have contractors that we recommend and that we coordinate with, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and they're vetted with us. We've worked with them for years, so we feel very comfortable referring them and then working in tandem as the project gets completed. But marrying those things with the design and the budget and the skill set of the contractor I mean, the recipe is there for a successful project. So over the years, I mean, obviously we learn from experience and hindsight is twenty twenty. That design process is so important. I see people jump into a remodel without having a design or having a real plan. And inevitably, it costs twice as much as they thought it would. It takes three times longer than they thought it would. And 
at the end, they're not satisfied because it wasn't properly designed or planned in the beginning. You know, Kevin, what you're reminding me of is a terrific classic movie called Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House. It premiered in 1948 with Cary Grant and Myrna Loy. And Hmm. the process of, (laughs) of planning and proper budgeting can really cut down on a lot of stress. But by working with professionals who can assist with the selection process, the design, and the budget, in the end, one really can have not just the house, but the home of their dreams. Are you finding that more people are looking to build versus um, merely redesign a floor? What, what, are you, what are you seeing in the industry as a whole? So it, it really is, it, it depends a lot on the current status of the economy. So that's, I think, the, the first thing that drives a person's decision to remodel or to build uh, or to just buy a home that's complete and ready and move in ready. Currently, we're seeing remodeling taking the lead over new construction. Now, new construction is not dying on the vine. Builders are still building, but remodel contractors are very, very strong in the construction industry as a whole. We work with a, a handful of high-end remodel contractors. And they're consistently busy, whether it's a whole house down to the studs remodel or they're redoing a kitchen or a kitchen and a bathroom. So it's hard to put my finger on specifically what is strong because it it changes. You know, when interest Mm. rates go up and home buying is maybe out of reach for some people, remodeling kind of has a resurgence. When interest rates come down and people are buying new homes new to them, inevitably, a lot of those people want to update, upgrade, remodel the home before they move in. And right. so to me, the, the remodeling industry as a whole is really sort of under-recognized when it comes to sustainability and it comes to maintaining structures and properties that would otherwise fall by the wayside. I, you know, I drive around areas in Seattle and Everett and Marysville and I see homes falling down that when you look at the structure and you look at the property, you think, wow, that could have been such a cool place to bring up to date and sustain and maintain that home. But it's fallen into disrepair for whatever reason to the point where it's not salvageable. Mm. And I wish there was more of a focus on preserving these classic homes in our area versus tearing them down and putting up four-story condos, nothing against the condo industry. I think, you know, there's a need for that as well. But, you know, why are we not preserving these old classic homes in a, in a stronger fashion? When you think of the, the time, the life that you spend in a home, in a house, it really is the frame for which we, we live our lives. One of my favorite things to do in my own house is to get up on Sunday morning, whether it's a bright, sunny morning or it's a little cloudy and the sun's just peeking through. One of my favorite things to do is to get up and make my coffee and sit in my living room that we rarely sit in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but sit in my, in my living room and look out my window that, you know, I did the trim work in my house and to look out my window 
and recognize the work that I've put in, that I've touched that home in so many different ways. And I really can sit there and appreciate that, you know, this is a, a house that was built in 1984 mm-hmm. and had all the stained oak and all the old stained hemlock. And, you know, it was, it was great for 1984, but it really needed something. And I love to sit there and, and see the things that we've done. And you're right, living, you know, living within the frame, it sort of defines who I am. You know who I am as a, a business owner, as a as a family guy. I, I don't know. I I couldn't not have my hands on tools. <laughs> you know, it's just because it's it's such an important part of my life and has been for my entire life. Mm-hmm. So well, obviously, Kevin, things have influenced you in this direction. Who or what has been the biggest influence on your life? Wow. You know, initially, my dad was the was the biggest influence on my life and on getting me excited about working with my hands you know he was born and and born and raised grew up in germany and the construction trade or the carpentry trade in germany is as important as that of of becoming a doctor or an attorney or an engineer they really put a heavy emphasis on vocational trades as being as important as these other things. And so I think he was my biggest influence for, for getting into the trades. I knew from a, a relatively young age that I wanted to, to do something in the trades. Mm-hmm. Um, I think beyond that, once I got into the industry, I mean, I can, I can rattle off half a dozen names that have steered me in different directions as a result of of moving in that direction, it opened up other possibilities. Currently, my biggest influence really is a collection of people who have identified their own passion for woodworking, for remodeling, for, you know, whatever it is they're doing, specifically trade work, even electricians and plumbers. And it is such a an art form and the knowledge that goes into it, the knowledge that you have to have, it's that group of people collectively that influences me to continue doing what I'm doing. So that's the best way I can say it. I see people doing it every day and it keeps me excited about staying on that path. Well, that's beautiful. You're still inspired by new people and their particular gifts in different areas of the industry. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you just said it, um, inspired by new people. There's a there's a real shortage right now of young people getting into the trade. I think we have a we have a stigma in this country of someone working in the trades, regardless of what it is, but somebody who's using their hands to make a living. We have a stigma of that somehow being less than or less important or of lower status. And it's simply not true. It, it simply is not true. I wish that we had a different attitude uh, as a society. I wish we had a different attitude towards it. And I'm doing whatever small part I can to try and change that. But, mm-hmm. you know, new people in the trades, new people coming into the industry, when, when I see a young person who is excited about learning a new skill, learning a new tool, or learning about tools for the first time. Now, that to me is a really rewarding rewarding opportunity that I get to witness that. Um, 
it's not often, but when it happens, I, I sure appreciate. And it reminds me of, you know, where I was 30 years ago and, you know, 30 plus 35 or I'll stop counting. Um, <laughs> it reminds me. It was just of, yesterday. You know, where I was. It, it was. It was, it it was just like yesterday. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so, um, you know, so it, it, I, I would I would love to see more young people get excited. And, and I think it goes back to your earlier statement and about the absence of shop class in schools or, you know, the, the lack of focus on those vocational trades in our education system. I think we're missing the boat, frankly. And I wish that we I wish we had a different attitude about it. Well, when you have the ability to use your hands to make a living, as you stated, you also have the opportunity to put your signature on your life and things that are important to you. And I think when people lose sight of that, they lose sight of one of the greatest gifts they've been given is the opportunity to design their life. And well, that's, that's very well put. I agree. This question, Kevin, just one or two more questions, if I may. I mean, I could do that. I could sit down with you all day and ask these questions because I, I absolutely love and admire uh, your your field and what and what you do. What are some of the biggest challenges you see on the horizon in regards to remodeling and individuals being able to change or update their homes or their projects? Are there any challenges or do you see that the that, that the opportunities are are wide and plentiful now um i mean the opportunities are are definitely are definitely there and i i think the the generation coming up now is appreciating those things in a in a way that has been overlooked for the last probably two decades you know i i look at my daughter is 17 of my three, she's my youngest, and of my three, she's the one that has been interested in coming into the shop with me and doing a little bit of staining or finishing or sanding or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a there's an interest there in in her generation and even younger that gives me hope. You know, that gives me hope that that is something that will be sustained. I think the two biggest challenges that we face and that I see coming, one is fast food construction. There's a need for more housing. We have a lot of unused housing currently. And I think, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, housing is unachievable. It's unattainable for a lot of families because of the exorbitant cost. So I think that's the, you know, one of the biggest challenges that I, that I see on the horizon. The second is a lack of influence on younger people to look at trade work as a real opportunity. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I struggled in school, not because I couldn't do it, but because it didn't excite me. You know, I could pass the test. I could get the good grades. It didn't excite me. What excited me was making sawdust. What excited me was being out in the field and doing something and looking back at the end of the day and saying, wow, that's cool. I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, that sense of satisfaction, I think, is is something that, you know, we, we're missing. We're not producing. Our goal, and, and I feel like our education system is not focused on necessarily creating a, 
a tangible, sustainable product. I feel like it's focused on creating people who are built to conform and work within the cogs. And that's concerning to me. That's a real fear that I have going forward that my children or my grandchildren or even my great grandchildren will be stuck in that in that mode. You know, challenges in the industry I think are gonna are gonna ebb and flow. And those are those are gonna change from, you know, year to year or season to season. You know, I really feel strongly that fast food construction is sort of ruining trade work. Well, there's always going to be individuals that love design, that love having their own signature, that want something that is beyond the cookie cutter. And I remember listening to <laughs> this real estate agent, and he sold multi-million dollar homes, $20 million, $25 million homes. And this interviewer asked him the question, well, how many of those can you sell per year? And his response was, I don't need to sell that many per year. And... <laughs> It was a, it was an it was a nice reminder that there's a market for signature properties and there's a market for signature style and someone doesn't have to have a 25 million dollar budget to have that they can design it and begin to design it where they are their first home may not be their last home but you can certainly enjoy it and bloom where you're planted and love where you live at the present time. And so if people are interested in remodeling or adding some things or maybe making some changes, what's the best way for people to connect with you, Kevin, and get in touch with you to set up a time to have that conversation with you? Our website is a great place to start, leblancfloors.com. We're revamping our site currently to go back to back to a local web developer that I worked with many years ago. I got caught up in the excitement of working with a, a larger company, nationwide company that really didn't deliver. I became a, you know, I became a number for them. And so after a couple of years of that, I recognized that, you know, this is not, it's not who I am. It's not who I want to work with. And it's not the direction I want for my business. So we're revamping and going back to a local company who, Ironically, they do web design, and this is going to sound really funny. They do web design, but one of the partners in the company is also a woodworker. And oh, they nice. have a wood shop nice. in, in the back of their offices where they design and, and manage websites and social media marketing. So it's pretty cool to go to a meeting over there. They're in Monroe. I mean, oh. they're hyper-local. Okay. And it's really exciting to go and sit in their offices and have a meeting and then get to go in the wood shop and you know, look at the projects that they're working on. So that, anyway, I'll stop. No, that's <laughs> great. .com. Yeah, it's, it, to me, it just, it was, and I just learned this, even though I worked with them years ago, I just learned this in the last few months. So to me, it was, you know, it was kind of kismet, kind of fate that, oh, well, this, this is right up my alley. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're, they're hitting on two stages. In fact, we're working with them on a current project they just built a mantle for us for a, a project that we're that we're working on here in Mill Creek. So oh, nice. Very exciting. LeBlancFloors.com. That's a great way to get in touch with us. 
obviously walking into the showroom, you know, we're right off of Chanel Beach Road and Muckleteo Speedway. Tuesday through Saturday, we're here. And we usually are here on Mondays, even though we're closed. So just walking in or, or hitting the website and, and reach out to us on the website. That is terrific. I think working with people who get you, who understand you, whether it's your website or whether it's your floors, makes all the difference. Well, listen, I want to thank you, my friend. We will have to pick this conversation up again because I've got more questions for you. Uh, I have, I actually had more questions than we had time today and would love to have you back on again. So thank you so much for your time. Truly appreciate it. If you are in the market for looking at remodeling or changing things in your home and you want to add more of your signature to where you live, the frame in which you live, then please reach out to Kevin and let me remind you to always invest in what you love.